usual, the dulcet tones of Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass means it's time for another white-hot edition of Fangraphs Audio. Hello, I'm Carson Sestouli, host of Fangraphs Audio. I feel very comfortable saying that today's guest uh, is literally one of my favorite writers in English, um, and perhaps in other languages, if he knows any. Uh, his name is Dane Perry. You'll know him almost definitely as a contributor to Notgraphs, the enthusiastic little brother of Fangraphs. Uh, you may also know him as author of Reggie Jackson, The Life and Thunderous Career of Baseball's Mr. October. This is a book that Dane Perry wrote and came out in 2010. In what follows, we discuss not only the content of the book, although, of course, due to Reggie Jackson's uh, career and personality, that's interesting in itself. Uh, we also look at the process of writing such a book. Starting with a proposal, uh, the subsequent research that's required, and then in fact dramatizing scenes uh, for which Mr. Perry was not present. We discuss that. Uh, we also discuss briefly Dane's first book, Winners How Good Baseball Teams Become Great Ones, which Dane himself describes as a book he does not like. Uh, we discuss what it's like to have written a book that you detest. Finally, and uh, certainly of most interest to the listenership, uh, Dane both invites me to and explains the Diamond Mine Baseball League that he's been running for years now with some friends. I'm sure you will be wrapped with attention as we have that discussion. All this and more White Hot action here on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. Yes, welcome to Fangraphs Audio. As I've mentioned, my, my guest today is uh, Knockgraphs contributor, uh, most importantly, Knockgraphs contributor, uh, also, a uh, former writer for ESPN.com, Baseball Prospectus, current writer for FoxSports.com, uh, author of a couple books, one of which he says is good, and that's uh, Reggie Jackson, Life and Thunderous Career, Baseball's Mr. October, Dane Perry. How are you, Dane? I'm good, sir. How are you today? Good. Dane, joining us from uh, the wild Midwest, not, uh, not far from me, but um, in a more urban area. Yes, Chicago. Chicago, uh, and you and you live there. You're you're not a native of Chicago. I think you're native. I am not. Yeah, I've been here about seven years. Before that, I lived in Austin, Texas. And before that, I lived in my home state of Mississippi. So uh, right, uh, Mississippi, known as America's wealthiest and most well-educated state. Yep, absolutely. I'm a product of Mississippi public schools, and uh, uh, I'm the dumbest guy ever to come out of there. So that should tell you something. It's just. Loaded with brilliance. Loaded with Absolutely. talent, yeah, right. Well, that's yeah. yeah. Uh, well, like we could talk. <laughs> we can talk more about um, Mississippi in a little bit. How is Chicago today, though? Chicago is uh, cold and snowy, uh, but you know that's that's you know that's sort of the deal. You know, you kind of ask for that when you move up here. So I, I can't get upset about it. And it's you, cold and snowy. And you Much are like I is in Madison. It, oh yeah. Oh, it's terrifying here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In fact, I checked yesterday, and uh, the temperature. Uh, here in Madison, Wisconsin, on uh, I should say Friday night, uh, was actually just uh, shades, uh, degrees shy of the temperature um, at the South Pole. Wow! Yeah, that's impressive. Decided to look that up and uh, yeah, was <laughs> that's duly, wow. duly yeah, terrified. Yeah, weather. You never know what they'll tell you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, uh, Dane. I'm going to start off by uh, by grilling you, but or, or maybe by by helping you also promote yourself. So there's a, a two two things happening at once, really. Uh, and uh, the question is, um, I'm going to have some coffee. Is that okay with you? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's legitimate. Right, uh, the uh, 
Well, I want to talk about the book, the Reggie Jackson okay. book. It was uh, it's uh, a relatively new new thing for you. Book uh, again called Reggie Jackson, Life That's Under His Career of Baseball's Mr. October. Um, I'm excited to talk about it because it's a book that I've read, which in itself is unique. Um, it kind of is based on sales figures, so it's kind of unique. Right. <laughs> yeah. But you wrote you wrote the book, um, and I, uh, I guess I, I mean I guess uh, you know what what was it, I mean start up from the beginning what was important enough about this project or compelling enough to you about this project uh, to, to enter into the world of, of book writing uh, well this this was my second solo book project and my agent and I were kind of going back and forth with ideas about you know what could we what's a sellable idea and uh, and that sort of thing what's you know what's what, what will the market bear these days and that kind of thing and uh, at that time you know, when we're kicking ideas around, uh, you know, biographies were very big. Uh, I think sports biographies, well, baseball biographies in particular, have been pretty big since that uh, that Richard Ben Kramer DiMaggio bio that came out several years ago. That kind of kicked off a new wave of them. And uh, so we kind of settled on. Uh, well, you know, we went through a few ideas and and uh, kind of settled on Reggie Jackson because uh, a one had not been done on him uh, in many years, uh, and there was not one that covered his entire playing career. Uh, B, he was a pretty compelling and complicated figure. Uh, and C, I thought there were some parts of the story that uh, uh, maybe the importance of them wasn't fully realized or maybe in some of the parts of the story hadn't been told yet. Uh, so kind of all those elements came together, and then we thought, uh, you know, well, this is probably something we could, uh, we could uh, you know, make a project out of. And it turned out that we could do that. Uh, had uh, actually had multiple offers for the proposal, and uh, we settled on William Morrow. And a very good experience working with them, and uh, you know, as far as uh, <clears throat> how it did, uh, you know, it kind of got overshadowed by the Willie Mays book, understandably, because uh, that's an excellent book. But uh, you know, it's, it's in the end, I'm proud of the proud of the book, and uh, uh, as you mentioned in your uh, lead in there, it's it's the book I consider the good one that I wrote. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we could talk uh, about what stand that feels, by it. Yeah. feels yeah. like in a little bit. I'm curious though. When you sort of say you're going back and forth, uh, you know, with your agent and, and discussing the idea of what's marketable, I, I mean, I know, and the, the reason that uh, I'm very excited to have you as one of the contributors at Knockrafts is because your prose style is um, is winning. I think we can say, right? Um, you, you had the, uh, I think recently you had a post about um, the uh, the new coach for the Pawtucket Red Sox, um, yeah. who, <laughs> who I think was it all. Uh, old Blast Furnace is uh, exactly what you. Yeah, wanted? Old Blast Furnace or uh, Blast Furnace or Dwyer. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Uh, is, is what you'd like to name him? I, I yeah. believe you referred to his belt, which uh, most fitting for Catholic spankings. Yes, yeah. Um, it looks like one of those belts that uh, is made for beating children, you know. Yeah, uh, right. Um, and yeah. and uh, so my, I guess my point is that in, in the thing that I've sort of been <laughs> excited about uh, with your contributions to Knockrafts is your ability to uh, write an excellent article um, basically working from nothing, <laughs> right? Uh, for example, we – no, but like a, you had a celebration of repeal day, right? Uh, so recognizing that this is the day that, um, uh, of course, all alcoholics like. Uh, you, yes, and you I decided did. to use yeah. that as an entree to look at um, – to look at, uh, you know, a, um, a, a sort of an all-star team of, of, uh, right, uh, of players who were noted for their – their ability to to imbibe. Um, yeah, I mentioned Ryan Duran, and then you made me feel bad. I need to follow a post about how he's now like a 
a counselor. Uh, well, in fact, uh, just died. And then he dies a couple weeks later. Yeah, uh, right. So that's right, yeah, that's so. that was your fault. You. That's yeah. I take it on. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you killed yeah. him. Uh, you also uh, you were able to make an, an article out of the Brobdingnagian sports chair. <laughs> yes. Um, that was uh, you know Sky Mall is uh, you know if you if you travel in planes every now and then I you got to read the Sky Mall because it's just it's a beautiful beautiful piece of work. Right. So I guess my my point here is you seem to be excited about and and to, to for the for the good of your readership um I guess uh taking what might be considered non sequiturs and turning them into baseball related articles. You seem to have a lot of fun, correct me if I'm wrong, uh you know doing the prose work. I mean, is that the case? I I find the Nodgrass vein to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's not really an outlet I have anywhere else and uh I enjoy that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I mean, there's, you know, I think there's 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 really a, a niche for it because, I mean, you have your sites like Deadspin where it's you know kind of sorted and you know blah blah blah. That's been you know it's kind of been overdone the uh, that sort of approach I think. But I, I really like the uh, just kind of the uh, I hate using this word in conversation, but it's whimsical. You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd rather write that word than say that word, but that's. <laughs> That's how I describe it, and that's it's kind of fun. And yeah, I, I definitely enjoy the latitude it gives you, and uh, you know the ability to write posts about uh, the things you said, and uh, the ability to write posts about which I did once is uh, not being able to find anything. You know, so <laughs> that's, uh, there's a lot of freedom there, and I uh, I definitely enjoy trying to make jokes. You know? Right. Well, and so I guess one thing that, that I'm sort of curious about is with with clearly the sort of penchant you have for you know what we might call a more whimsical or enthusiastic breed of Sports writing, how um, you're able to negotiate that interest with something like you're talking about, which because you're you know w- with the Reggie Jackson book, right? You said you're kind of going back, um, back and forth with your ancient, and this seems to be like there's a little bit more of a design to that sort of thing. Obviously, a bigger project. You use a word like marketable, which I don't fault you for, especially like you know, uh, you know, being a uh, Paterfamilias. Uh, these are all considerations. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I guess, like, so I'm curious, like, beyond marketability, or is it, I mean, do you, when you're d- doing a project like that, are you confident in your ability to make it interesting regardless of the project you're taking on? Or or is it like, well, Reggie Jackson would be marketable, and also I feel like I could stomach writing a book like this? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm never going to, you know, you know, write a, you know, Biography about you know the Jersey Shore, so you know I mean I, it has to be something that compels me in a way beyond oh here's a paycheck you know I mean I'm not I'm not uh, I mean I'm a whore but I'm not you know <laughs> not to that extent you know yes. so but I mean yeah it, it had to be an idea that interested me and, and you know I, I do think he has a very compelling and interesting life and uh, and uh, was kind of central to a lot of uh, uh, events that shaped baseball history particularly in the you know post World War II era. So yeah, I mean, I have to be interested in it. But yeah, you're right that the uh, the style and approach is definitely different than what I do for Nodgrass. And uh, you definitely have to. And there are probably times in the book you can feel, you can feel the reins tightening. I mean, just trying not to you know make a joke or use a use a word that doesn't fit or something. So yeah, it's definitely a different approach. And uh, you know you know as you, you know this as a writer, it's, you have to tailor your approach to to audience and material and that sort of thing. And that was uh, that was one of the challenges. And uh, you know, but. You know, we you know we could have real jobs at the end of the day, so no no complaints. Yeah. Now, now talk to me uh, about your decision to start. Uh, now you start the book on October 18th, 1977, right? This is a uh, World Series Game Six, 
uh, and this is uh, this is Reggie Jackson's. I mean, would you say this is his most famous contribution to baseballing lore? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is the three, home, uh, three home run game. Uh, I mean, did that decision make itself, or, or you know, beyond that, how did you decide to start the, the book? There? Yeah, it's interesting. I initially opened the book with the scene where he's uh, in Oakland and Charlie Finley has ordered him to be benched because of their salary dispute, and he hits a grand slam, touches home plate, and flips off Finley in the owner's box. That's how I initially opened the book. But uh, he's talking about marketability. My editor, uh, who I should say was a wonderful editor, uh, David Heifel, who was uh, great to work with and really made it a better book, he wanted uh, <coughs> uh, something from his Yankee years to open the book because, you know, Yankee fans are going to buy more books than Oakland A's fans are going to buy. So he... Uh, thought we should uh, have something from his Yankee years that, you know, kind of captured his sense of the moment, his his controversial nature, uh, and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, brought all those things together. So that, you know, the Game 6, the 77 World Series was the obvious place to go. So that was uh, that was what we wound up doing. But initially it was that uh, it was that scene in Oakland where he hits a grand slam and flips off the owner, so, which I still love. Yeah, right. Now, now I'm interested just in terms of dramatizing these these sorts of things that have happened now, you know, over you know over 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, now I know you're an old man, but you're not that old, right? And uh, I mean, I think probably for the you know 77, you probably would have been just a kid. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious as to the sort of process of of dramatizing, you know, that you know that three home run game or that situation where he flips off Finley. Uh, a good portion of the book is just made out of made up out of a whole cloth. I mean, it's just invented. I think, you know, none of it's. So it's just lie. It's all lies. Yeah, it's a pack of lies. <laughs> no, it, actually, I, there was. Uh, I spent a tremendous amount of time uh, in the Harold Washington Library here in Chicago, going through old archives and newspapers. They have a very extensive collection, and uh, and online as well. And it was just pulling things from different beat reports and kind of piecing together the story of of these individual moments and I mean you could find uh I mean you you would find nuggets in like readers digest you know that uh about a certain game and that added something to the story and that kind of thing so it was a lot of a lot of going through the archives and uh and you know dealing with what these these beat writers report at the time and kind of piecing it together that way and and bringing it together and uh it was uh you know I mean for a baseball dork that was a lot of fun you know just going through archives and reading game stories and that kind of thing, but it was also kind of challenging. Is you know, well, this guy says he did this, and this guy over here for this paper contradicts it, and which one is true, and that sort of thing. So you try to find a consensus on the facts, if you will, because a lot of times they differ. So that was a challenge, but it was also fun. Now, in, in, besides the actual, uh, besides a lot of the sort of archival research that went into this, um, now is my understanding right that uh, that Reggie Jackson himself was not particularly cooperative? No, he, uh, <coughs> pardon me, I, uh, spoke with his business manager's agent on a couple of occasions and he told me to fax a formal request and I did so I think three times and, uh, I just never received a response. So, uh, <coughs> I mean, this, at the same time there he was working on that, uh, 60 feet 6 inches book with Bob Gibson, Reggie was. So I'm assuming he, you know, didn't want to tell any stories that would detract from a book where he actually had a financial interest in it. So that probably had something to do with it. Uh, it may be that he'd never heard of me. Probably had something to do with it. And, uh, you know, it, it, who knows? But yeah, he he chose not to interview me. But I was able to talk to uh, you know pretty much everyone. <coughs> excuse me, pretty much everyone who was living who covered him uh, in a meaningful way. I was able to talk to, and 
uh, talked to a couple of guys who played with him, talked to his college coach, and uh, so I was able to, uh, I, I think I conducted like 50, 60 interviews or so for the book, so I was able to talk to a lot of people who knew him and could put him in perspective for me. Yeah, now, is there anything that, uh, in researching the book, uh, maybe this is an obvious question, but uh, having known something about Reggie Jackson, was there anything that you that you learned about him that uh, that surprised you? Uh, yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, I knew his time in Oakland was kind of crazy, but I don't think I realized the depth of it, and that, you know, obviously everybody knows how chaotic his Yankee years were, but uh, I think Oakland... His time there was arguably more insane than it was in New York. I don't think I realized the depths of that, and uh, I, I, that that kind of surprised me in a good way because it's obviously great for telling a story. Uh, but uh, in, in retrospect, I, I'm kind of surprised he had such a difficult time in New York because he's already gone through all that. So uh, that kind of surprised me, and that was interesting to learn. And you know, I, I, I got to be honest. I enjoy the Oakland parts of the book more than New York parts of the book, and that's maybe that's because it was a little more fresh to me. Well, yeah, and and I mean, what I think you're talking about is the extent to which Charlie Finley himself was a crazy person as well. Oh yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. He and uh, he and uh, yeah, he and Billy Martin are uh, really supply the pathos in that book. Yeah, <laughs> they. Uh, they're maniacs. Were, yeah. were you were you surprised? I mean, I don't know if this was just what life was like in the '70s or something, but were you surprised by how poorly all these people behaved? I mean, Finley, Jackson, Martin, and then, and also Steinbrenner, who you know now to some degree, especially after his passing, has kind of you know, uh, I, uh, I guess, well, of course he's been rewarded with a plaque in the you know the sort of yeah, uh, yeah. the trophy garden of, of Yankee Stadium, but yeah. he was he was at like a um, a legitimate whack job himself. I mean, were you surprised by the degree to which these people, who all of whom had important roles, the degree to which they were allowed to misbehave? Yeah, I am. I mean, I think, you know, I, you know, everyone these days has a veneer to them. I mean, uh, you know, people freak out when, when a player says anything remotely controversial now, and they talk about it, well, what a terrible character he is, and how he's got to be tearing that clubhouse apart, and that sort of thing. And No, I mean, these were... These clubhouses and and front offices were just full of dysfunctional a holes, and they still managed to win ball games. I mean, it, yeah, it's it's you've got some. I mean, can you imagine like if someone like Reggie talked to the press the way he did and says, you know, the Yankees think I'm a n word, and that you know, I mean, it would we would uh, you know we'd have like you know, saturation coverage from ESPN about the one comment. You know, it's just so. You know, I think the media scrutiny now has. I mean, this is a pat answer, but I think the level of media scrutiny today probably uh, has a chilling effect and then athletes just don't talk and say what they want to you know so uh, that's probably a bad thing I mean it certainly makes it less interesting but uh, yeah I mean you, you just can't do that these days I don't think we'll ever see anybody be that openly pathological like Charlie Finley was again so yeah I, I, and that's too bad right yeah well I guess well actually uh, you sort of identified it uh, and I'm interested to know more about this uh, this the sort of maybe Maybe it was the beginning of the end for players behaving like that came along with, uh, was it Dick Young? And uh, yeah. a sort of breed of writers known yeah. as the Chipmunks. Chipmunks, yeah. Uh, they, uh, Dick, Dick Young was a writer for what, the the New York... Uh, 
Uh, was the, later his New York Post, I think it may have been, may have been the, one of the defunct papers, like the Herald Tribune or something earlier. And I, I, yeah. You know. So and, you know, now you're making me look like I don't know the material. No, no, no. You, uh, yeah, you do. And uh, in, in fact, uh, via the wonders of uh, Wikipedia, uh, we can, we know that he was. It was the New York Daily News for 45 years. Um, he was also yeah. apparently yeah, referred to as as the big dick. So you can uh, yeah. <laughs> make sure to get that into the paper paperback edition, would you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 it is sort of like you, I think you discussed this, this, uh, I guess this uh, change in emphasis from sports writers uh, up until a certain point, up until Dick Young, uh, you know, or maybe Dick Young's maturity, there was an emphasis on, I guess, uh, mythologizing of players. Um, yeah, and yeah, there was, uh, you know, we've all heard the stories about. Uh, you know, you ride on the Pullman cars with the players, and you don't report certain things. You don't, you know, you don't talk about how much Babe Ruth drank or how many women he slept with, or you know, all this kind of stuff. And and that was the prevailing dynamic for years and years. And then, uh, you know, along along comes Dick Young, and then a lot of uh, 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 co-conspirators in, in the Philadelphia media uh, who uh, you know decided. Uh, I, I think Dick Young's quote was, uh, uh, "You uh, have to have the balls to." Uh, talk SHIT about a guy and then face him in the locker room the next day. And, uh, that's what he did, you know. So Dick Young was, I mean, Jackie Robinson thought he was a racist, and I mean, everybody hated Dick Young, you know, but he was, uh, he was a force, uh, in sports journalism and really kind of reshaped it. And, uh, uh, there's a story in there that, uh, you know, it was basically the players' personal lives and moral character are, are up for judgment. And, uh, there's a, there's an anecdote that was, it got edited out of the book for, for space reasons, but uh, it was a Philadelphia reporter. I can't even call the name, but uh, he was talking to some player, trying to interview a player while he's on the phone, and the player said, "I'm talking to my wife," and uh, and he said, "What's your wife doing?" And uh, he goes, "You know, she's feeding the baby. Leave me alone." And he goes, "Breast or bottle?" And that was just sort of the, you know, that sort of encapsulated like nothing's off off limits now, you know, and that was a. Uh, defining moment and uh, I think yeah you're right to point that out that uh, I think now that we have some of these athletes who are so loath to say anything interesting it's probably because of that right well yeah I mean doesn't and also just like in terms of uh, I guess the quality or the I mean like the relevance of the reporting or the um, interestingness of reporting it does seem as though so if we can suggest that maybe Dick Young represented a breath of fresh air or an important you know role in in the history of sports writing uh, might we also suggest that the sort of logical conclusion of that sort of reporting, which, like you're saying, like even just getting to the point where we might know a player, like how a player, uh, how his player, player's wife like feeds the baby, it, it only seems like there's it, there's sort of like a uh, diminishing returns on that sort of knowledge. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely. Uh, I mean, remember the uh, the ESPN Hollywood show with Mario Lopez. I mean, that's sort of the uh, uh, I, you know what I hadn't, and now that you've made me think about it again, I'm actually angry at you. So. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that uh, that's probably the nadir of that sort of approach. I mean, uh, <clears throat> you know, no one uh, no one needs that as part of the as part of the culture. You know, I don't care who you are, you don't need that. And uh, but yeah, I mean, that's sort of. I, mean, I, I don't know if that that you know if that marked the. Uh, Sort of, if, if if Dick Young would like that, or if uh, he would not, so we'll never know. But yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, any uh, any approach, uh, any change has its extremes and its hazards, and I think we've seen that already come and go. 
Now, uh, speaking of uh, uncomfortable things, uh, you 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 yourself are on record as saying that you've written two books, one of which you like. Yes, uh, right. And now, your other book, uh, your other book, as I mentioned, is called uh, "Winners: How Good uh, Baseball Teams Become Great Ones." Um, and it's not how you think. Don't forget that part. Oh, it's right. It's not how I think. I, I, maybe no it's not how I think. There's no such thing as a short subtitle anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, everything changed. Everything, and yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, tell me, I guess, tell me, now that this is the book obviously referring to that you're not a particularly big fan of, but yeah. um, I know, or at least I suspect, that the process of writing a book, I mean, this is not like an overnight thing, right? I mean, this is generally a project. I don't know how long that that book took necessarily, but it's generally a time-consuming thing. So you now have had a situation where you spend a, um, quite a bit of time on a project that, uh, after the fact, you're not particularly particularly excited about. First of all, why aren't you particularly a big fan of that book you write? And when did you realize that you weren't a particularly big fan of it? Uh, I realized as I was doing it, and uh, I, you know, I, you know, I, I think. Uh, well, first off, I mean, you know, like me, you're kind of trained in creative writing. You're, you've come from poetry background. I wrote fiction, and there's this sort of <clears throat> there's this mindset that's inculcated into you that you know every word has to be right and. You know, most of what you do is awful. You know, I mean, and that's that's you know. And I, so yeah, I mean, I can write something, and then ten minutes later, I you know, oh man, what was that? That's that's just terrible. You know, so and that that mindset probably plays a role in it. But I think even getting outside that mindset, winners is objectively not a good book. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I mean, I, you know, it doesn't hurt to say it. I, you have to you have to be you have to be your own worst critic, right? And uh, you know, it's just it's it's a. Uh, it was an idea that was brought to me as opposed to something I conceived of. And, you know, I had a great editor, and the idea in the right hands would have made a good book, but I just I did not have the right hands. It's too quantitative for me. I mean, I'm more of a concepts guy in terms of sabermetrics. I'm not going to go out there and plumb databases and invent statistics. And, you know, I, and I, can, you know I, can, I can use the blunt tools to do what I need to do, but I'm not, I'm not a Dave Cameron and that sort of thing. So Well, actually, yeah, and actually no one... Well, I was going to say, like Ken Griffey Jr., there's only one Dave Cameron. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I certainly look cooler than he does, so there's that, you know? <laughs> there there, and, there uh, is that. Wait, actually, by the way, uh, on your foxsports.com, uh, your author photo. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. There, you look a little bit like The Rock. You know what? There's uh, I leave that, that photo there solely because it really riles up the Fox commenters. Uh-huh. And they call me like, you know, oh, you, you child molester and, you know, the rock with AIDS, I've actually been called. On the, oh, on that photo. <laughs> Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, that's, that photo is, I don't know how many years old, but I'd leave it there just solely because it makes them angry and they already hate me. So that's, you know, that that's part of the, uh, that's part of, you know, poking it with a stick to see if the bees come out. It's just part of the... Uh, no, no, I've met you in person. You know, you're you're a fine enough looking guy, but you really do. Yeah. You 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 look uh, kind of muscle boundy in that, I guess. Yeah. I mean, how did that happen, Dan? I mean, what? I you know I, I do push-ups, man. Come on. All right, all right. That's yeah, right. yeah, but uh, yeah, no, this is this. Uh, you know, I had extremely short hair, and uh, I was uh, uh, running a lot of the time, <laughs> and uh, you know, I put on ten or fifteen since then. And, was, it, uh, was this before uh, before your child? Is that oh a, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stuck when I had time for stuff like self maintenance, you know. <laughs> and uh, but uh, yeah, so now, yeah, it's funny. I'm, I'm sort of I play the role of like the evil nerd at Fox, you know, like uh, 
you know, like I'm I'm the guy who comes in and says Tino Martinez is not that good, you know, and I'm just an idiot who understands nothing about baseball and you know, the mother's basement type cliches that come out and that sort of thing. And uh I embrace the role and part of that role is the photo, you know. Yeah, right. Well is uh, that is that a weird role to play be, uh because um you know, with regard to you know, like writing for a site like Fangraphs, obviously I I imagine you feel like just the exact opposite. Um yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to be loved. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, besides I mean, that, I mean, too, A couple of years ago, I, I wrote something about how, uh, I don't even remember what it was, but I said some Philly was overrated, and I had a guy told me he would shoot me if I ever showed up in Philly, so, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that sort of thing, you know. So, yeah, and, and you know, let's, let, this is a mainstream commenting section, which, uh, tends to be, uh, uh, the, the bottom feeding sort of place, so, yeah. <laughs> You know, it, it, I, I enjoy reading it, and I haven't even thought of a not graphs idea about the uh, Fox comment of the week on my articles, and because uh, there are really some, some beauties on there. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Are you yeah. going to? Uh, well, I know that uh, you may or may not have seen just recently, though. Uh, Jeff Perlman uh, released an article in which he uh, actually confronted um, some of his most most evil commenters. Yes, I did see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I actually, I yeah. mean, what is your sort of take on that? Because I know, um, you know, I, I had done, oh, let's see, uh, maybe six months, a year ago now, uh, I had done some interviews with some kind of like the, um, I guess, sabermetric uh, uh, writers who are uh, sympathetic to the sabermetric project, if not necessarily, uh, you know, mm-hmm. devout to it, um, and one of whom was Will Leach. Of course, yep. of Deadspin New York Magazine. And uh, he said, he said, you know that, um, uh, you know, I asked him about uh, commenters, this sort of thing. He said, well, you know, I'm, he said that he's never surprised that people say hateful things, uh, and that what he's most surprised about is the reaction of sort of old timey writers who are, uh-huh. you know, struck by the uh, the vitriol that's poured out yeah. on the internet. And he says, no, this is this is how people always are. People, yeah, you know, just yeah. previous this, people didn't have a means to contact you and say these things publicly. Uh, now they yeah, do. Yeah. He said, uh, people, has, people haven't changed, the media has. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, you're giving them anonymity and you're allowing them to say things immediately at the height of their anger and outrage, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it, but yeah, I mean, you can't, you know, uh, you know, I've been, I've been writing in the web medium for, you know, more than a decade and, you necessarily get a thick skin, and I can't remember the last time a comment has actually bothered me. And they've said, you know, you know, they said all kinds of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Like they would shoot and, you uh, if you if you said foot in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a pistol to dawn with him in one of these days. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna settle this on the streets of Philly, you know. So, so like I said though, so one of your, so you're there, you're the evil nerd. Uh, of course, at Fangraphs, yeah. which is full of nerds. Yeah right. <laughs> you're, you're like, I mean, you're, you know, and you've said this too. Like, you're not, you're not the numbers guy, and it's also you're saying is what happened with this book, winning. Yeah, right. Winners. See, Winners. it's so forgettable. You missed it. You missed the title. <laughs> up. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. so. Um, no, it's, it's like, yeah, it's just briefly. To, the problem is that it's numbers driven, and you know, I get, I get bored, and I get the glazed over eyes when I read a numbersy article that goes on and on and on. You know. And and I'm someone who's sympathetic to it and even interested in it to an extent, you know. So what happened is that I attempt to make this more interesting by throwing in anecdotes. And I get, there's a certain point where, like, well, when I realized the book was a problem was I was doing a section on defense. And generally you use the numbers as a jumping-off point to talk about a team that was really adept at whatever skill we're talking about. Okay. In this instance, 
I really wanted to tell a story about how Daryl Evans thought a UFO sighting saved his career. Uh, <laughs> so I used that to talk about the 87 Tigers, who were a terrible defensive team. And I realized, okay, I just abandoned kind of the driving, you know, motive behind all these discussions. And I talk about a team who's terrible at something just because I wanted to tell the UFO story. <laughs> That's when I realized I was trying to write a different book than the one I was actually being tasked with writing. With writing, so yeah, it's just it's patchwork. It's it's overwritten in parts. The numbers in the end of, at the end of the day don't make a lot of sense, and it's just uh, it's uh, it's a box job on my part, and uh, no one should buy it. You know, yeah. That's just that's all I can say. Yeah. What uh, 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 now? We do have we have one thing that we need to talk about, and that's the. Um and that's a score sheet league that you've invited me to. Uh, I want to get to that in one second. The, yeah. Because uh, and I know that that the, the, the listenership will be wrapped uh, with attention as we discuss this very private, private dealing between the two of us. Um, one more question is sort of your role as uh, as book writer though is oh. um, I'm curious. Do you have plans for another project now that the sort of Reggie Jackson thing like um, has I guess I mean at least in terms of your involvement has kind of run its course right uh, now it just people just need to buy it um, yeah you know yeah uh it'll be coming out in paperback soon so i expect uh everyone who bought a hardcover will need a paperback cover you know right yeah just to have collect on yeah, it too yeah as a backup just you know toilet reading or whatever you know? right yeah but uh you know at the uh, yeah i've gone probably a year and a half i worked on a project on a proposal about uh uh the year 1932 in baseball uh kind of focusing on new york and chicago uh, and what was going on in those cities and sort of how the teams reflected the city's personalities and that sort of thing. Then eventually, uh, I mean, I realized it was, I was losing my grip on it and it was starting to circle the drain. And then eventually my agent just said, uh, you're never going to get there with this. So I abandoned that and, uh, then I had a great idea for a Bobby Fisher bio. And then that was sold. That idea was sold by some other writer to, uh, is probably better equipped to write it than I am. So, cause I, what do I know about chess? But, you know. But, uh, yeah, so right now, no, I don't have any book projects on the horizon. And, uh, uh, you know, I look forward to doing a, the Not Graphs uh, Guide to Baseball or something one day. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, well, but, we're going to start that post-haste. Yeah. Uh, it's ca- great. Yeah. Cat's out of the bag now. Yeah, well, you know, that free publicity never hurts. You know? Yeah. The, um, now, I know that uh, a couple, a couple uh, you know, Jonah Carey, uh, who is part of uh, Team Fangraphs now, and what actually... A jerk. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, Jonah, a, I, for anyone who didn't get that joke, Jonah's uh, one of the nicest people ever made. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and actually uh, has gotten. I think he's gotten more jobs for people than uh, you know than probably. Well, yeah, I mean he has like twenty jobs himself, so he might as well share the wealth a little. Yeah, bit, right. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, now Jonah was recently, you know, he's sort of in the throes now of uh, writing slash publishing a book on a, a podcast recently with Derek Zumsteg. Uh, probably yeah. most famously for baseball nerds of USS Mariner, also baseball yep. prospectus, yeah. uh, and also a science fiction writer. They, together, they were sort of uh, bemoaning the uh, the task of writing a book and how you enter it, you know, with a great deal of enthusiasm, uh, you know, and and uh, but it's sort of uh, it it slowly uh, the project slowly conspires to take away your all of your life force. Yes. Uh, yes I mean, I'm wondering if that's been your experience. It's just like you enter into it for having forgotten the pain of of the, the mo- you know the most recent yeah. experience, and then you're like, oh man, by the middle. I mean, was the Reggie Jackson book hard to write? Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I certainly enjoyed writing it much more than winners uh, or winning, as you called it. And uh, <laughs> but 
you know, because it was more the kind of book I wanted to write, where it's narrative-driven rather than numbers-driven. And uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, like toward the end of it, after I'd worked on it for uh, probably close to you know counting the proposal time, probably three and a half years or so, and uh, and I yeah I, I charged through the end, and it was five o'clock in the morning one day, and you know I you know, ah okay here I'm going to email the file in finally, and then my editor who. Uh, you know, bless him, this was something that needed to be said that made it a better book, but, you know, probably, oh, probably about, you know, 8 a.m. the next day, he emailed back and says, we need to cut about 20,000 words. <laughs> and yeah, it's just like, you know, and he was right, we did. And uh, so it's just like, you know, I just wanted to, you know, kind of just, you know, strip down and run screaming through the streets and, you know, punch a stranger. Right. I can't possibly face up to this, you know. But I did. And uh, I did cut 20,000 words, and it uh, made it uh, a much tighter book and a better book, and he was absolutely right. I just didn't want to hear it at the time. But, uh, yeah, so and there's all these little things like this, and, you know, there'll be something like, uh, you know, some, some you know, junior associate will email you and say, is this, is this fact on page 114? Can you, where did this come from? You know, and you're, I have no idea. I, I don't know. You know, <laughs> and you have to go through notes and, you know, and just run through Google and, in two days trying to find out where, you know, it, it, it said his bat was maple or something, you know, it's something like that, you know, so it's just, it's an exhausting process, but at the same time, you know, once you're finally officially done, it's 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 a great feeling, you know. Uh, well, that's good. All right, um, well, so I've grilled you about the, the book uh, long enough, it, again, available at uh, better bookstores everywhere, and maybe some not I as I have good... a lot more to say about the book. Well, what's that? I have a lot more to say about the book. You do? Can you say it in uh, t- ten seconds? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm done. Uh, and it, it, it is coming back uh, out on paperback soon. Uh, when can we expect that? Uh, May, I believe. Yeah. Okay, all right. In time for baseball season. <laughs> yes, right. Just uh, nick yeah, of time. Yeah. Um, I don't know uh, if you've noticed, but they like to release baseball books during the season. It's a, it's a marketing thing. Oh wow! See, I would have totally yeah. not even done that. Right. <laughs> the. Um, Right, so, so this is a point where I, where I can actually personally just invite uh, listeners who don't care about this at all. Uh, right. Yeah. They can, they can shut this off. But, um, but we're, what we're about to talk about is a score sheet league uh, to which you. That's actually a diamond mine league. Oh, okay. All right. See, so, see, I didn't even, I didn't even know. Yeah, you're gonna do great. Yeah. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> um, no, this is baseball we're talking about, right? Right. Yes. All right. Is, so yes. nine players aside, roughly, um, famous American sport. Okay, I yeah. nailed that so far. Yeah. All right, so tell me, tell me about the parameters of this league. Okay, well, briefly, I was in a diamond mine league. Well, back when it's pursuit of pennant for well, close to twenty years, but it was an incredibly high maintenance league where you had to keep track of you know everybody's at bats and innings and play the games head to head and you know all kinds of procedural debates and you know all this kind of stuff and you know every, you know is is too much of a democracy really. And this league is designed for people who want to be in a league and don't have the time to be in a league or don't have the will to be in a league. All it is is uh, you're basically the GM. We sim all the games in a diamond mine format using the Zips projections, which you can find at Baseball Fan Factory, I believe. And, uh, well, and at Fangraphs soon. Yeah, that's true. We, yeah. host, we host those. So. Yeah. Boy, that was, a, that was terrible on my part. Yeah, I yeah mean, come Fangraphs. on. Yeah. 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 Sorry, Dave Appleman. Uh, he uh, is listening in too, by the way. The Dark Overlord, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, is always yeah. present. Yeah, he's going to stop paying me the big bucks. Oh. Yep. Um, 
but uh yeah so we uh use that and uh we don't worry about playing time because it's projections and uh you know you don't have to worry about some guy who had 514 at bats against left-handers or something you know coming in and getting key pinch hits all year but it's yeah it, all it is it's draft centric we have 10 keepers each year um and uh everyone else goes back into the draft pool because that's the funnest part of any league is the draft in my opinion and uh the rest is kind of tedium so uh, we sim all the games and then do the playoffs, and uh, uh, we may or may not uh, indulge in illegal gambling on it. Rumor has it. I don't want to know anything about that. That's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. At least, at least but, not on uh, the record. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I, sketchy rumors have it, but I can never confirm or deny. So, but, so, you, uh, so you know, when, we use both players when do you both sim? Uh, sorry to talk over. When do you sim the games? Though? Like that day? No, we usually have uh, we congregate for alcohol and snacks. Usually. Uh, Oh, uh, once a month or so, and sim a month's worth of games, and uh, and uh, that sort of thing. But I mean, sometimes it ends up like me alone doing it, you know, because you know not everybody can make it all the time, and not everybody wants to. So, uh, yeah, we kind of make a thing out of it, and uh, then we have uh, we play the final month of the season. We'll sim the final month of the season and play the playoffs head to head all in the same day. So that's uh, that's the other big event beside the draft. Yeah, so, and we've been doing this league for three years. And uh, my Chicago Rogues have won two championships, made the playoffs each year. Uh, yeah, in the first ever draft, I got Albert Pujols with the fourth pick, and uh, which uh, shows you uh, how stupid my peers are. So, <laughs> yeah. so would you suggest that the um, one of the main strategies to to winning in a league like this is to is to play with dumb people? That that helps, yeah. yeah. That that certainly helps is to carefully select idiots yeah. in the league with you. Right, right. Yeah, right. and which you know that leads us to your invitation to join us. Oh, you know? bar- burn. burn! Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I've been <laughs> waiting for that joke all day. It's yeah. an old-fashioned burn right yeah. there. Yeah. Well, I hope to. Uh, yeah. I hope not to disappoint you uh, so far as that goes. Uh, diamond mine but, league. Uh, it, it, you know, I'll share with listeners my secret to winning diamond mine, which is four-man rotation, strong bullpen, good defense. Yeah. So. You, can you set run. now? Would you? Uh, yeah. How does that work, though? So yeah, you s- can you can do the four-man rotation, and it actually lets you do it. Yeah. So, and you guys don't yeah. get tired. We, we yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you're allowed to pitch a guy on three days rest. So oh, and, yeah, so you they, should yeah. do it. There's probably some performance decline, but uh, it beats throwing out you know a bum as your fifth starter. You know. So, okay. Yeah, the former rotation is like and we didn't use the injury ratings the first couple of years, and I got Rich Harden up to like 280 innings one year or something like that, which was awesome. So, right, yeah. which is actually how many innings he's thrown in the last four years combined. Yeah, probably. right. That might be close to his career total. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, he is good at baseball when he plays. Usually, he is. He is good when he plays. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah well, that sounds like an interesting. I mean, I'm all, uh, generally always sort of curious in the variations uh, that you know smarter baseball fans have on you know what you might. Call sort of orthodox fantasy baseball, right? Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I've never had any interest in roto. You know, I just I don't like fantasy baseball. Never played it, but I do like you know computer based simulations because I guess I'm dorkier than your usual roto player. Yeah, and right, my wife right. just, my wife cannot even wrap her head around what we're doing. You know, she doesn't even wait. They play the games on the computer. They're not real games, and you know, yeah. So, but. It sounds bizarre, yeah. No, but I do yeah, like the still sort of doing the right thing, you know. The, yeah. yeah, the social element though that you've yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. given it that that, that uh, maybe adds something nice to it. So much to surmise that you've accepted the invitation to join the league. Oh, entirely, yeah. 
Okay. Okay. Good. good. Yeah. 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 And then you know you'll be joined by John, the guy we met in the bar. Yeah. So. You know. Right, reader, uh, reader, and listener John. Um, reader John. Yeah. We, yeah. You, you and I John. are our only. Yeah. Uh, we met in the city of Broad Shoulders. Yes. At, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, what's, and, uh, what's the name and, of the... you know, it culminates in uh, yeah, right. In uh, an invitation to join the Diamond League, which is in some ways, uh, you know, more more significant than like meeting your mate in the bar, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's the greatest yeah. intimacy. He was a handsome guy too. Yeah, much much more than you, yeah. I would have Yeah, said. well, you know, let's not set the bar too low. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, so as this uh, as this edition of Fangraphs Audio falls to pieces... What else do you want to talk about? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's shut this Let's shut this down. Yeah, we uh, probably should. Yeah, yeah uh, but it, I would be remiss not to mention that uh, my guest today has been, most importantly, Knockraft's contributor, also... Uh, tangentially the author of a book about Reggie Jackson life and thunderous career of baseball's Mr. October uh, Dane Perry Dane thanks for joining us my pleasure okay and uh, I have been uh, Carson Stooley this has been another white hot edition of Fangraphs on you